hey, Iowa, this one's for you. Hi, welcome to True Creeps, where the stories are true and the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore to the possibly plausible paranormal to horrifying history to tense and terrible true crime and everything else that goes bump in the night. We're your hosts, Amanda and I'm Lindsay, and we want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Today, we are going to be discussing another spooky destination, and this will be part of our spooky travel series. I think this is one of my most favorite series because I like things that a person could go and experience on their own. Yes, yes, me too. Because a lot of the things we talk about, you do not want to experience on your own. (laughs) Right, right. Like toilet rats. Toilet rats, yeah, not a good idea. (laughs) But yes, this place you could totally go to. We're going to talk about how you can go there later. But also, I want to say why we picked this place. And we picked this not only because it was super active, but also because it has a possible relation to something that we talked about a long time ago. And we're going to bring that up at the end. And you know we love a callback. We do love a callback. At any point that we can do that. That's our fave. Yes. In our outline, Amanda's going to continue on, but I'm saying the name of it because today we're going to be talking about (laughs) Malavan Manor. That's why I'm saying it. Malvern Manor. That's perfect. That's perfect. I had a note and I was like, Lindsay has to say this because she's going to do it with such a great accent. You have to say it like an ominous gentleman. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I want to say when you look at this place, it looks very average, right? Like it's not, oh, you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, it's so spooky. Yeah. It looks unassuming. When we started doing research, so like you know, I'm reading about it and I'm like, okay, well, like, let me like pause for a moment and like look at it. And I was like, oh, no, this isn't the right place. It has to look scarier <laughs> than this because this yeah. just looks like a large building, not like Malvern Manor. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think it should be like this crazy, creepy Victorian mansion. Mm-hmm, and when mm-hmm. you look at it, you're like, it's kind of like squared off. It does sound like a place that would be suspiciously wooden as well. And I cannot give you any reason why I think that. Other than I am very correct no matter what anyone else says. It just feels like it should be suspiciously wooden. Yeah, Uh, that's fair. That's fair. Well, if you haven't guessed it already, it is located in Malvern, Iowa. I like that you assume that people knew that Malvern, Iowa existed. Like, like they're like, oh, yeah, it's clearly Malvern, Iowa. Where else would it be? Clearly. Like, that's not like someone's like last name or something. I think people in the area, I don't know. I don't know anything about Iowa, honestly. No, I just... (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, because I just like, you're like, as you may have guessed, and I'm like, no one guessed. No one guessed. No one guessed that we, you know, the people of Iowa guessed, okay? And that's who I'm talking to right now. Hey, Iowa. <laughs> this one's for you. Hey, Iowa. We see you. Also, at the beginning of the episode before the intro, please move. Hey, Iowa. This one's for you to the beginning. <laughs> and now it will okay. make sense because I've explained why it's there and this can stay in episode <laughs> proper. But yeah. Perfect. Love it. As everyone knows, Good old Malvern, Iowa. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone knows it now. Classic Malvern, Iowa. (laughs) So uh, you probably guessed it. We hadn't heard of this place before. But many paranormal investigators and mediums have done a lot of work here. And I did see that there were several books written about it. But a lot of them were like hard to track down. There's one in particular that caught my attention called We Are Malvern Manor. And it says it goes into all the death announcements and obituaries for those that have died in this place. But a lot of places had it like out of print and out of stock. So if you find it, it seems very interesting to me. 
I want to think that when I was looking it up, it was over $60 for this book because it's probably like one of the 17 copies that exist, you know? Mm-hmm. No offense to We Are Malvern Manor. But whenever a book is difficult to find, I immediately begin conspiracy turning. Like immediately. Like <laughs> like not like, oh, maybe it's just not popular. Maybe it didn't sell well. Maybe like there was some problematic stuff in it. No, in my head, it's like, what are we covering up? What are we covering yeah. up? Yeah, they're covering up Malvern Manor. <laughs> And conspiracies. That's why we don't know about Malvern, Iowa. It's all, <laughs> That's it. That must be it. It's the government. <laughs> <laughs> and then something also very interesting is this place was featured in a couple paranormal shows, including Paranormal Lockdown and Destination Fear. And for this episode, we watched both. Yeah, they were interesting. I also don't think I've watched Destination Fear. Mm-hmm. I hadn't either. Very often before this. I was like, I'd heard of it, but I hadn't watched it. And I was like, oh, it's interesting that like only one of them knows where they're going. Mm-hmm. Because like this way, maybe they don't know as much. But then again, like just because they don't know where they're going, everyone's heard of the infamous Melvern, Iowa. So like, how could they not know where they were going? <laughs> I'm going to continually tease Amanda about this the entire episode. Whatever. Some people know it, okay? Some people know it. Every once in a while, a certain state gets a little bit of extra love. And today it's Iowa. And the first episode was Iowa, too. Oh, it was. And the 164th. Wow. The synchronicity (laughs) of it. Maybe it's a conspiracy. (laughs) Maybe it is. (laughs) So... As we do with any haunted place, we're going to start talking about the history of it. So it was built by the Ringland family in 1870 as their home. And then 20 years later, in 1890, the house was purchased and rooms were added and it became the Cottage Hotel, which that's a dumb name for a hotel. Really? I thought it sounded cute. A cottage is a type of building. Small building, Big building. That's what they named it. Small building, big building. Well, because it's in a small town. So it's like a cottage, you know? I don't know. Cabin motel. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. All right. Tiny home inn. Do you see how it doesn't make any sense? Like, it's cute because I like the idea of like cottagey things, but any other word. All right. Judgy much? I know. And like, let me tell you, I hadn't thought that until I said it out loud. And I was like, I do not like it. (laughs) <laughs> it came out of my mouth and I was like, Mm-mm, I don't like it. But anyway, some sources say that it was built and operated as a hotel by a man named Captain Colors. But there's varying information on the background, which you know we kind of like. We like when there's a little bit of a mystery. Hmm, what was it time? But either way, it's old and it's a very large building, even though it was called a cottage hotel. <laughs> so the cottage hotel, despite having a dumb name, was the largest and longest lasting hotel of the four hotels that were in that community. And it was also the town's first hotel. It was 10,000 square feet, which means it's not a fucking cottage. I don't know why let it go. I can't (laughs) let it go. It's bothering me. And I don't know. I'm going to be excited when we move to the next name. So the cottage hotel, I can't even saying it's making me annoyed. I don't know why. What a life. Oh my gosh. (laughs) The Cottage Hotel was known to be a great place to stay for travelers that were coming in and out of the area via train because it was very close to the railroad. And one group of people that seemed to stay there more than others was traveling salesmen. It's like, what a job to have, you know? Right? On the train? Like, on the train. Town to town? Town to town. Presumably, you have a little suitcase full of, like, pamphlets and shit. 
and like whatever wares you're selling. Because didn't people sell like vacuums door to door back in the day? Mm-hmm. What a dream to be able to have someone to like deliver an appliance to you. They like knock on your door and they're like, your floors look dirty. Do you want this appliance right now? <laughs> I kind of like it. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. So I love the idea that we could find how much the hotel rooms were because what a fun thing to know, you know. But according to an Iowa Road Atlas, in 1912, it was $2 per room. And that also included service and meals, which what a bargain. Oh, yeah. I was like looking to see if I could find what like comparable hotels were in that time period. And I couldn't find anything. But I did see that the average yearly income for 1912 was $750. Wow. Wow. Just wow. A little different now. Sort of. Just a touch different. So in the 1930s, as automobiles became more popular, travelers started to opt to stay in larger cities and in places like Omaha, which was close by, over places that happened to be close to the train, right? Because they don't need to be close to the train. So then the ownership of the hotel changed because it wasn't doing so well, especially without people from the railroad, because people were traveling via rail. And over the decades, it changed hands several times. At one point, it became a nursing home and then a minimum care facility. We've also seen some sources say that it was a group home of sorts at one point. And so it would house different types of people, including those who had issues with addiction or some people that had behavioral disorders. Throughout the building's life, it's been different things at different times. But during these different stages, there were unfortunately reports of patient abuse and neglect, which I feel like when you're thinking of any type of care facility that existed Mm -hmm. in the later part of the 20th century. It's not a good time. Yeah. But so the building finally closed in 2005. Yeah, it was around for a long time. You know, like operating is something. I always find it interesting when a building has like several different uses over its lifetime. But I feel like places don't typically, sometimes they do, start as like a hotel and end as a nursing home. I feel like it's vice versa. Like an old nursing home will be like fixed. Because I know we've talked about hotels in the past that had a medical history. Yeah. And that they were later like renovated because there's these massive sprawling estates that simply aren't used the same way anymore. So like, what are you going to do with all these rooms? Yeah. But this place really fucks me up. We'll talk about why in a second. (laughs) There's a lot. There's a lot. So in May of 2016, Josh Hurd purchased the property, and now he runs the manor and keeps up on its website. I saw in one source that he only paid $75,000 for it. What a fucking steal. Like, yeah. But also, I mean, if you're thinking of a property that has been long abandoned, it is completely possible that there were tens of thousands of dollars that were owed in like property violation codes and things like that, like municipal debt that had accrued, or like perhaps there were tax liens that were also in the property that all had to get dealt with. And that could also, you know, it could be a property that you end up paying $200,000 for that you're only paying seventy five dollars because you're going to deal with all the other shit. That's true. That's true. I was just thinking more back to our um, haunted house episode where like, they were a million plus that we were talking about for some of yeah, them. Yeah. And this one, I'm like, wow. But again, it is Malvern, Iowa. So it's a big deal. It's Malvern fucking Iowa. Iconic. So once Josh took over, he made it to where you could book overnight stays and tours of the property. Love it. He also has a really nice walkthrough on the website. So he did like a 3D tour and you can like move the camera around and look at things. So that was kind of fun. Yeah. He's also a paranormal investigator and shares a lot of stuff on his YouTube and he investigates other places. So I was like, okay, one of us bought this building. Yeah. Yeah. 
One thing that I found very interesting is in that walkthrough video on their website, Josh mentioned that he has only cleaned the place. He's left all furniture, wheelchairs, random objects, personal belongings, everything where they were when he took over, unless it was like, you know, a hazard of some kind. But he's like, we just cleaned. We like vacuumed and dusted, but clothes are still in some of the dressers. Wheelchairs are where they were found. He tried to leave everything as is. That fucks me up. Isn't that weird? That's what really fucks me up. Like, knowing that, like, all the shit is there that was there, mm-hmm. that that can't be good. I mean, like, if you're ghost hunting, it's good. But if you are, like, trying to just, like, stay there for a place to stay because it's close to the railroad, as one does, probably not great. Right, right. And so, as we've discussed in our Haunted Objects episode, sometimes spirits can be traced back to personal belongings. So, perhaps that's why it's very active here. Because some of the stuff is still there. Yeah. It also occurs to me that we have now covered two separate lodgings, if you will, that were kind of geared specifically towards salesmen, like traveling salesmen, because we talked about one in the Lavinia Fisher episode as well. Isn't that interesting Mm -hmm. that we just kind of, that little overlap? Yeah. But so, look, what are we here for? We're here for the paranormal activity. So let's chat about it. So there are several hotspots inside of the building. The first is the Shadow Man Hallway. Guess what people see there? (laughs) You won't be shocked. So it's located on the bottom floor's hallway, and people have reported seeing tall, dark shadows that kind of dart around. That has Peter Pan vibes to me, and in a way that I enjoy. And these shadows are also seen coming out of rooms and into the hallway. And I think it's that last one that really hits a little bit, because you could see, like, you ever, like, have, like, a piece of jewelry on that, like, creates a light thing or like you're moving your arm and you don't realize that you're creating a shadow yeah i could see how people might mistake that for shadows appearing sometimes but when it's coming out of a room that's a bit different right yes yes for sure also like i enjoy the naming conventions of things here i just like it so (laughs) there's an aggressive spirit that they call number one And on the episode of Destination Fear on the Travel Channel that we watched, which is season three, episode eight, if you want to watch it yourself, they discuss the spirit and it's said to be able to freely walk the entire building. And some people have heard it say, quote, aggressive things. Don't like that. Yeah, it does not speak nicely to people. Yeah. And some people think that it's actually the spirit of Captain Colors, who we discussed earlier in the episode. And when people are interacting with the spirit, sometimes people start to feel like their energy drain and cameras die. And there's also like electronic activity that's unusual. Yes. And I did see too, some investigators are like, yes, it's a spirit. It might be Captain Colors. It could be a person. But then other people are like, this is much different than an average spirit. This is an entity of some kind or possibly a demon. So I thought that was interesting that like no one's really figured out who it is. Some people have suspicions that, you know, it's the captain, but it just seemed really weird and not happy, not nice. Yeah. I mean, I think that when you're talking about something that is emotionally draining, there's this thought that it is something worse than the spirit of a human, right? Because it's like Mm -hmm. actively causing a harm, right? Because like if you're there overnight or you're there for a day being emotionally drained, okay, right? You'll be fine. But if you're spending like a significant period of time in a place where you are feeling an energy drain over time, that's a little scarier because also presumably the energy that you're feeling like drain is presumably not just like disappearing. It could be that whatever it is feeding, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's, I don't know, it gets me. 
That's weird. So many investigators have felt sick while walking around and have felt like someone was following or watching them. And there's a part of the building that's referred to as the nursing home wing. And that's because it still has a lot of those items from when it was being used as a nursing home. So there's the nurses stations, files and medicine cabinets. Eerie, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, also just kind of probably feels like a time capsule in a way like you're just looking at like a snapshot into history it looks like it and like yeah when you're looking at something like that even like absent ghosts and cursy type things it's hard not to feel like a little bit spooky like even at like historical sites where they're like we've preserved this person's bedroom it feels uncanny there's like a disconnect in a place that looks like it should be inhabited by people but is no longer inhabited mm-hmm. you know like with their items yeah so there's a similar feeling that i get from looking at pictures of Chernobyl. So people who visit say that this area gives a much different feel than the rest of the building. And look, are we always going to call back to Black Forest? Yes. If you haven't listened, go back. It's like, what, episode two? Mm -hmm. But we will never shut up about Black Forest because it was just so many things. But one of the things that we talked about there was ghost smells, which fucking weirds me out, right? Because like, if you can hear a ghost and if you can see a ghost and if you can feel a ghost touch you... Why couldn't you feel the other senses? And as I'm saying that, that means taste. And I don't I don't like that. <laughs> but also smell. And like <laughs> in other episodes we've talked about, like in Black Forest it was like a noxious, like chemical kind of smell. We've talked about like cigar smells and smells of like people's perfume. But this is worse. Oh yeah. It's the sudden smell of body odor. Absolutely not. That would hit me. Mm-hmm. And so when people begin to smell that, the EMF readers start to go off. I feel like that combination, my stomach would automatically flip. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, and considering what it was, too, and if people weren't properly taken care of, mm-hmm. that would make total sense. Yes. And that's sad. And the smell of a person who is not being properly taken care of and is also stressed mm-hmm. is way fucking worse. Yes. Yeah. But I thought that that was interesting that a lot of people are like, yeah, you'll smell it. And then, oh, my gosh, all of our electronics will start going off so like emf readers rem pods things like that and i was like oh yeah. my gosh i also find that like when people think of the smell of body odor it's kind of similar to like a fried onion smell which it sounds like a very particular scent but like i wonder like are they saying that like they get a whiff of it because you're like near like a person who hasn't put deodorant on or are they saying like they're overwhelmed by it right like because i feel like what we saw like i wasn't 100 percent sure like are you overwhelmed by this scent or is a little bit because I'm also a little bitch when it comes to smells. So like even a whiff, I'd be like, Ugh, I'm responding. That's fair. That's fair. Well, this place is also known to have some electrical problems. And something that caught my attention and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's kind of creepy is during the episode Destination Fear, a light supposedly, you know, I don't know if it's editing, but a light turned on by itself. And it was bizarre how you had to turn on this particular light. It wasn't like a switch that can be flipped easily. It was one that had like a pull down string and had to be like pulled to turn on. So it couldn't be like that someone accidentally like hit the switch in the dark, right? Right. It had to be like an active thing. And also when you're thinking of like things a ghost can do, flipping a switch feels easier than pulling, right? Yes. Yes. And they did make sure to say this place does have electrical problems. But when they were trying to like have it happen again and turn on and off the light, they're like, oh, this takes effort. Yeah. Well, also, I feel like for the most part, you see the places where like lights flicker. Yeah. But like, I don't see where lights turn on. Right. Especially like that. And then stay on. Yeah. 
So other people, as they explore the building, they've reported feeling heavy, like having a heavy feeling while they walk around. I've even seen some people say that all of a sudden they'll just feel really sad in certain Mm -hmm. areas. Yeah. Which breaks my heart. Yeah. Speaking of walking around, when you're downstairs, sometimes you'll hear people upstairs. So like walking and footsteps when you're the only one there or when your whole party's on the bottom floor. Unnerving. Mm -hmm. There are so many investigators that have gone there and there's a ton of EVPs that people have put online. And some of them, you know how I think you and I have had this discussion where like, is that really what they said? You know, like it's really hard to make out. Yeah. Some of these EVPs are so clear that when I was watching some of the episodes and like watching YouTube videos, I was getting goosebumps. I feel like there is a different visceral reaction when you can see it actually happening in a show and you can hear it yourself, right? Because like, yes, when they're like, oh my God, they just said guilt or whatever, right? And you're like, did they what I heard was yeah right and it's like how did you get there but when it's very clear i feel like like lizard brain kicks in right like you don't it's not like a conscious like i'm scared it's just like oh oh no they're talking to me even though like yeah. that's what you're trying for mm-hmm. remember so Lindsay and i went to a graveyard when she was in arizona as one does and we had our spirit box on and both of us agreed very quickly what the box was saying and it was hilarious so spirit boxes to, are like they pick up parts of like the radio right like it's like Mm -hmm. snips if you think of transformers think of bumblebee yeah the way bumblebee talks so in this place lots of equipment goes off they get a lot of readings here from just the few videos i saw there's rem pods going off evp sessions people have gotten weird shadows recordings of footsteps when no one's walking and then this morning i was actually watching some more videos to like get pumped for this episode and someone was getting tapping sounds don't like it Mm -mm. so Jason Koopsik, who is a friend of Josh's, so the guy that owns it, has done an investigation with another paranormal group, and he felt cold drops in temperature in some of the rooms, which, I mean, that's really unnerving as well. Yeah. He also said that while at the nurse's station, he saw a figure shuffling down the hallway. And he's like, that's not the first time I saw that same figure. Like, it had a very particular walk. Yeah. That's also a very particular movement that you can't just accidentally kind of like ascribe to something else, right? Think the kind of like flicking, darting shadows you're talking about, right? That are just quick. A shuffling is not a quick motion and it's not a like singular forward. It's kind of like a move, then move, move, then move, move, then move, right? Like that's so it's like not a did I see it under the corner of my eye? I blinked and it was gone kind of thing. It's like more than that. Yes, yes. There's also a small attic in the place, and Jason has heard footsteps in there. He's also heard someone going up and down the stairs, and he's felt a presence in there. There's also a few reports of a man's voice showing up in EVPs that are done up there. And I was trying to figure out, like, what is going on up there? Why is it so creepy? And everything that I'm seeing, including Josh and Jason both, they're like, we are unsure why this is a hot spot. It just is. At one point, they even brought a dog into the manor and it refused to go up into the attic. Fair, though. But where the dog did want to go is it immediately went into a room that they call the little girl's room, which we're going to talk about in a few. Also, just like the idea of calling the little girl's room, even if it's like an apt description, I find very unsettling. Oh, yeah. So below the attic, there are two rooms that once belonged to two patients. One of the patients would abuse the other patient, both physically and sexually. 
And it was a long time before the staff realized what was happening, which is heartbreaking, right? Like, yeah. So this place is said to hold a lot of bad energy and that people can feel it, which there's a lot of pain there. So it would be logical that you might sense what that feels like. Yeah. I would also wonder if people knew what happened in that room before then, because I think it's impossible to not feel somber in a place where bad things have happened. Yeah. So like I would find like an experience where a person knew nothing before they walked in a bit more credible. If they were like, oh, yeah, like I had bad feelings in these three rooms if they didn't know anything. But so in the room on the top floor at the end of the Western Hall, there's a little girl that has been seen running around. So Josh and his team have done a pretty good job blogging about the different residents that are there and the people who are known to have both lived and died in the home or in the building's other iterations as a hotel or a a medical facility or group home. And so there are so many. So we're going to talk about a few that come up a bit more than the others. The first was a person named Gracie, and she was schizophrenic. She was also diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder. Sometimes people call it DID, but now it's more commonly referred to as multiple personality disorder. What I find interesting is that oftentimes people are diagnosed with like one or the other because schizophrenic is you see people that are not there and delusions that are not there. And multiple personality disorder is you are multiple people. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that she was diagnosed with both. But Gracie would change her voice into different tones and the staff would hear deep voices that were like a man. And when they would investigate, it would be Gracie. And so that would be highly unsettling. Oh, yeah. First off, you're like, I thought I heard a man in here. And it's like, no, she could change her voice that much that you thought she was a different person. Yes. And so the staff would often hear her say things like, the devil is coming to get me. That stresses me out. (laughs) Yeah. Which also, like, that must have been terrifying for her to experience. Like, right? Because, like, she's either fucking with people or she's really experiencing that. And given what she was diagnosed with, I would assume that she felt that. And that sounds just very sad. So, so scary. So when paranormal investigators have gone into Gracie's room, they have heard someone say, hello. They've seen EMF spikes. And they've had flashlights turn on and off on command. So kind of think, like, if you're here, turn the flashlight on. And then the flashlight would turn on. Or off based on the conversation they were having. Yeah. And people also report feeling a heavy, eerie feeling when they're in her room. Some people have seen her and she seems to interact more with men and sometimes gets frustrated and bangs on the wall when they leave. Interesting. Yeah. Some people said that she's lonely and like wants them to hang out longer. That just that made me feel so sad. One of the things that I've said like in other episodes was the idea of like a ghost therapist so that a person could move on. Yeah which also recently watched Casper, locked somewhere in my mind from childhood was ghost therapist. Here I was thinking I had this unique fucking idea when it (laughs) literally existed in Casper. I totally forgot until you posted about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is what he was. Oh, my gosh. Ben and I were watching it. I was like, wait a minute. Wait a fucking minute. I had to like I made him rewind it so that I could like put it on our Instagram stories and people were like, oh yeah, I know about that. I'm like, how are you remembering these movies from our childhood? I don't know. I'm not remembering any movies other than like very brief snapshots. Like I remember the ghosts eating and like the piles of like chewed food. Like I remember that, but not, not the ghost therapist apparently here. I thought I had a unique fucking idea, but no. But the reason why I bring up a ghost therapist is the idea of a spirit that has debilitating mental illness is heartbreaking it is because like 
if we're in a version of a world where a person could work through their shit and get to the other side, like, how do you do that if you have, like, severe illness in that way? Right. I hope it's not a ghost, but maybe her energy that's still there. You know, like, just kind of stuck in that room, like, in a loop. Yeah. And she's been able to move on, but it's just her energy or something, because that's just too sad. Yeah, because I feel like so often when we talk about things, we're talking about people who are having like this momentary sadness that they're upset about, right? Like we've talked about women who thought that their husbands or fiancés had died or people who have lost a child or people who they've been like left by their lover and things like that where like, sure, they could have underlying other mental things going on. But they had this momentary terrible thing happen. It wasn't something that was ongoing. I say as a person with like depression and anxiety and knowing like, look, am I in therapy now so that I don't have a fucking ghost that needs to go to therapy? Yes, I am. But like, it's just an interesting thing. I don't think we often I don't often hear about people who in life had severe mental illness Mm -hmm. that would have been like, especially during this time period, like completely debilitating. It's only recently that people that have diagnoses like schizophrenia or multiple personality disorder are treated more humanely. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know, all that to say, it hurts my heart. It really does. It's really sad. So another, let's, let's just keep going with the sadness, right? Let's talk about the little girl's room. And they weren't exactly certain of who this room belonged to for a long time. But because of some previous employees, they learned that it was a little girl that lived in the room. And then when Josh was looking for more information as to like who it might have been, he found an obituary for a 12-year-old girl named Inez May Gibson. And they're pretty sure this was her room. So Inez was born on August 6th of 1888. And her parents divorced when she was very young. And neither of them wanted to care for Inez or her brother Otto. That's a really early divorce if you're thinking about like the social stigma of divorce over the years. You know what I'm saying? You don't often hear about 1800s divorces, I feel like. No, it's true, right? So her aunt and her uncle adopted them. And what I could find their names as is Mr. and Mrs. T.D. Gibson. So they were her adoptive parents. And they at one point were also the owners of the manor. Hmm. Eventually, Inez's mother wrote them that she was going to come and pick them up and that she wanted to now care for them. Inez was very depressed and did not want to go back with her mother. And it's on record saying that she would rather die than live with her. Unfortunately, Otto found Inez and she was hanging in her closet on December 21st of 1900. That's so sad. She's just 12. Just 12 years old. Yeah. Now, her death is very strange because a lot of people think suicide and then others think accident and I'll I'll tell you why. And then others think that there might be something shady happening and they just don't know what it is. So, on that day that she died, she seemed totally fine. She got home from school and she actually had a really good day at school. And it's because she got 100% on several of her exams and her uncle had told her that he would pay her 25 cents for each 100. So she was pretty stoked about that. You know I'm googling inflation right now. I thought this would be much more. What is your guess? Of what that would be today. A dollar? Nine dollars and sixteen cents. All right, like ten bucks. Ten bucks. But what's interesting is that today, with the way that things are priced, I feel like a kid would be like, that is not worth my time expenditure. Like ten dollars, <laughs> I'm gonna buy with that. That's true. But she was pretty stoked, right? So she got her money. Good day. So after school, her and her brother are outside playing with a jump rope, having a good time. So Ina said something along the lines of, Let's go upstairs and play in our room. And Otto was like, I don't really want to yet. I'll be up there in a little bit. 
And so she went upstairs alone. 15 minutes later, that's when he walked into the room and found her hanging in the closet. And she was hanging by the jump rope. Oh, gosh. Poor Otto. Like, he probably felt that his entire life. Right? That poor little baby. So, again, it looked like a suicide. But it ended up being ruled an accidental death. And the reason is, is they believe that she went and climbed up to reach something and fell. And it somehow tangled around her neck and it got stuck on something as she fell. Oh. And the reason they think that is because after playing with her jump rope, she would often put it around her neck, go to her closet, and she'd use a folding chair to reach up to like the high hook that she kept the jump rope on. Mm, I see. And unfortunately, something must have slipped or the chair was not like completely set because when they found her, that chair was folded up flat on the floor next to her. Oh. So they're not sure if like, you know, with a folding chair, if you don't completely open it up and if she was stepping, let's say like on the front of it, if it would have like flipped and maybe folded itself again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like a folding chair to stand on is not the best idea. It's just asking to slip out from underneath of you. If you just put like pressure in the wrong space, like it just folded on itself. So Mm -hmm. yeah. So like I did see that, uh, of course, at first they thought it was suicide. Then after investigating more. They're like, okay, it's an accidental death. But I saw while watching some of these videos of like paranormal investigators and stuff going in, they're like, we want the real story. And I'm like, do they think someone harmed her? I don't know. But either way, it's sad. It's a little girl. And then her brother found her. So just a sad story. I really do feel like that if it was a suicide, the chair would have been open still. Like the chair being yeah. folded up next to her feels in like indicative of an accident. Yeah, and I don't know if they mean like a person might have like, yeah, you know, pushed her or something, or if maybe some people believe that there's like a scary entity in the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, perhaps like, something like that. I don't know. Either way, very sad. So this room, whether it belonged to Inez or not, has a lot of activity, but most people don't report saying that it has a creepy feeling. Several people have said that they felt as though someone blew on their neck while sitting in a chair at different times. And that's interesting. I would flip out, right? Yeah. Especially like a breeze in a room where there is no breeze possibilities is already scary. But being on your you and then being on your neck is so close. Yeah, You have to go very close to someone to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, can't you see a little girl going, yes, it feels like a child playing. Like it feels very much like just... Like, I don't know, I can just, like, envision it. Mm-hmm. But so various people have heard a girl's laughter around the building, and they believe that it is the same girl. There are also EVPs that sound like someone yelling in another room. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So they've done the EVP in the little girl's room, as they call yeah, it. Yeah, and it sounds like it's, like, muffled yes. from another place. Ugh. Ugh. Creepy. Yeah. Also, there is a person who lives in the area and knows the owner. And so they'll be outside walking. And they'll see someone in what would be Inez's room playing peekaboo through the window. So think like popping up, then popping down, then popping up, like scary and also kind of sweet. And this person took a burst of photos of what he was seeing. And it's kind of hard to see on the blog, but I wonder if like the photos, like originals are probably a little bit more easy to see what those details are. Because I feel like sometimes the way that a photo can be translated over time, it becomes blurry and you're like, what is it that you're looking at? Because I see a smudge 
Yeah, I, I wasn't sure what I was looking at. Yeah. So let's talk about another, I don't know, terrifying name. I just don't like the name of this either. It freaks me no, out. No, not at all. There's also the whistling man. I think that generally the verb man is going to be scary. Yes. Whatever they're doing is not going to be feel great. So remember how we said that everything was left in its place and the place was cleaned only? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that's there is a wheelchair in the lobby, and many people have heard whistling around it. A paranormal team was investigating in 2016, in June, and they said that they kept seeing a man in a wheelchair throughout their investigation, and that they also kept hearing whistling. They also reported that they kept seeing, quote, flashes or visions of this man in the wheelchair in different locations of the house. That's creepy. Yeah. So these folks drew a sketch of him and they left it in what's called the experience book, which like that it exists, you know, Mm -hmm. guard it so that it doesn't grow legs like some other places. Yes. So after looking into it, Josh, the owner, believes the drawing looks a lot like a resident named Harry Wallace. And there were some scrapbooks that were left in the building and he didn't throw things away. He could like look through these books, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how he knew it was Harry because there's a picture from the late 70s, early 80s. And we think that looks like Harry, which interesting. In the wheelchair too. Yeah, so it's like it matches. Yeah, that was unsettling. Especially someone going in there without seeing that scrapbook and describing and even drawing like what they think that he looked like. Yes. And then Josh going, oh my gosh, same picture unsettling Mm -hmm. so another quick story i couldn't find her name or much about her but some people have reported seeing a woman in a mirror in one of the rooms and she kind of scowls at them which you know how i feel about mirrors i mean look the only time i want to see a ghost in a mirror is if it's going to be a massage yeah no she's not going to do i don't think she's going to give anybody a massage no no but the thought of seeing something in the mirror like that is Mm -hmm. one of my that's like rocking chair status for me It very much depends. Am I going to see it in front of me or behind me? Right? Like, am I seeing like a person that I'm not seeing that's in front of me? Or is it like they're standing behind me? Yeah. Yeah. Front of me is better than than someone I can't see standing behind me. That's fair. So I want to get to now how we found this place because I think it's a good callback and we love our callbacks. Mm -hmm. Also, it like, it kind of gave me chills. Yeah. So- Malvern Manor is about 40 minutes away from Velisca. You know, like our first episode, Velisca. Like our first episode. Velisca will forever have like a special place for us, like in our hearts, because like that was the first episode we released. Yes. Because we recorded, what, 10 hours of Texas Killing Field content before we burnt ourselves out on the supreme just sadness of that story. And we yes. moved on to Velisca, which is also sad, but a different type of conversation. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, it's 40 minutes away from Velisca. Very close. And I bring that up because some believe that the killer from Velisca could have stayed here the night before the murders. And especially if they were traveling, like a lot of the theories suggest. Remember, the train was very close to Malvern and the train stopped in Velisca. There's also a blog post on Malvern Manor's site that discusses Velisca And it says, quote, although these murders remain unsolved, there is speculation on who it may be. And one of those suspects stayed overnight at the manor the night before allegedly committing the murders. The blog continued, quote, it is said that someone confessed to this murder. 
although it didn't hold up. And the person that confessed said that the shadows made him do it. Oof. So I don't know if there's like a record book of some kind that they still have that shows a certain name in the book, or if they're just speculating that he may have stayed there. It is a possibility either way. And it gives us the creeps considering Reverend George Kelly did talk about a shadow and how he heard a voice telling him to slay utterly. Mm -hmm. And then all I think of is the shadow hallway. What I find particularly unnerving is the idea that the most sinister of entities in there predates the horrors of medical malpractice and negligence and existed in its hotel form. Like that it, and it's like the building was a young building, presumably being a hotel with a dumb name. Yeah. So remember, it was built in the late 1800s and it was in 1890 that it became a hotel and Velisco was in 1912. So it was still a young building at that point. So like the idea that there was that type of entity so early Mm-hmm. is a little bit wild. It's wild. And just the idea that the killer was there and then went to Velisca and the overlap, if it was, Rev, you know, if it was Reverend George Kelly, we don't know. We suspect it was. So like, we suspect it was, right? But here's the other thing, right? 1900s, primary mode of interstate travel is the railroad. So there were a higher rate of murders in areas near railroads. Okay. Today, there are higher rates of murder in the primary mode of interstate travel, which is the highway. And if you think of kind of like a corollary to a person who is a traveling salesman, because like now people who are like traveling salesmen are like jumping on a plane to like pitch someone and then coming home, right? Yeah. But if you're thinking of a person who travels throughout different states for long periods of time, it's a trucker, right? Like that's the corollary to a traveling salesman. So why wouldn't we consider whether this was a traveling salesman who moved throughout the country with more ease than the average person who didn't do travel as much, right? Because especially the murder weapon was something they found on site. They stayed a moment in a stranger's home. Yeah. Like we know that they didn't necessarily rush through the murders. And if you're thinking of a person who would be comfortable in another person's home, A traveling salesman would be pretty comfortable in a stranger's home more than the average person. And so, like, I say this not to say that, like, the Reverend was not a traveling salesman. I'm saying, like, or it could be a traveling salesman who was the primary clientele. So, I don't know. Just an interesting thing that I don't think we thought about before was to blame it on traveling salesmen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the paranormal investigators that have been to both locations say that there is a tie between the two. And one thing that I found super interesting, too, is just in that episode of Destination Fear, when they went to Villisca, as well as Melvin Manor, they brought an ovalis device, which is one of my absolute favorite devices to take to a haunted place. And what it is, if you haven't watched any of these shows or if you haven't been able to go on a ghost tour before, is it's a little handheld device that has a database of words. And there's a few generations And each generation has like a different amount of words. And I've used two of them before in the past. And the newer one is phenomenal and very scary. But it measures a ton of stuff like temperature, magnetic fields, all kinds of stuff. And the reading that it spits out determines a number internally. And then that number is linked to a specific word. Hmm. So once it's determined, 
it'll say that specific word and then it'll also show on the screen. Okay. So think of like if you said, what is your name? And then all of a sudden it would spit out Lindsay and then it would show Lindsay, right? If you were the ghost talking to me. Okay. All right. Uh, The best thing I've heard someone tell me is it's the equivalent of a ghost speaking spell. Or like the dog buttons. Yeah, kind of. Kind of, but it's measuring a little bit more than. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways. A paw to the button. Yeah. (laughs) So it'll have like a robot-like voice and it'll read it to you and then you can see it. And so that makes it very handy, right? Like when asking questions and sometimes you'll get one or two word answers. And on topic but off topic, when I was at the Whaley house recently, we were using one. And when I walked in, like when I first got the Ovilus device, I was walking into one of the rooms. It said gateway. And I was like, okay, this is a gateway to what? And I was kind of joking. And then a second l- later, it said devil. <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, sweet. Okay. Cool. Fun times. And then later, when I was walking upstairs, and I was like, ugh, I always feel like someone, because I've been there many times, I always feel like someone's at the bottom of the staircase watching me walk upstairs. Or when I'm walking downstairs, someone's behind me watching me. And it said constant. And then I got up to the top of the stairs and it said present. Ugh. And I was like, is it a constant present? Oh, gifts always. Love it. Uh, yeah, no, I love this device. It's so fun and it's so creepy. But anyways, they were using this device in Destination Fear. And when they were at the Velisca Axe Murder House, they were asking who they were talking with. And the device said Reverend. Huh. Then hours later, when the other half of their team came into the house... And they asked something similar or like who committed the murders or something like that. It said reverend again. So I always find it interesting in like ghost shows when they're at a place where there was a known crime, right? Like not like an urban legend of something, but like known crime, known incidents. When they ask to talk to the aggressor, and I bring that up because like, for example, in the very awful, very annoying, very frustrating ghost adventures. When Zach Bagans is at the Velixka house, he's like, at one point there's like an axe and he's like, push it down on me if you're if you're an aggressive spirit. And it's like, why are you particularly talking to like the ghost of the murderer? Like, why do you assume that that is the entity that is there and not the people who lived there, grew up there, were murdered there? Like, that's just like a weird mental leap to get to. And like, I could see like energy, but I'm just like, if you are a person who could murder an entire family in this type of way, you have done this before, likely, and you will do this again. So like, why is it that you would be in this one place? You know, like, I don't know. Just... A thought. Yeah, and I think it depends. I mean, not Zach for any reason, because he's just nonsense. But most respectable people that are actually trying to find truths and, you know, show proof of ghosts or things like that in a kind way. A lot of them will, in my experience at least, will be like, ugh, I feel really uneasy. I feel heavy and I feel bad, like like Mm -hmm. scary in a way. I feel scared. Perhaps it's the aggressor. But a lot of the time when you're like sad or you're like scared in a different way, like someone else is scared, then perhaps Mm -hmm. you're speaking to the family or, you know, the individual that something terrible happened to. But yeah, in his case, I don't know. He just wants to, honestly, he just wants crazy at all times. He starts off trying to communicate with that aggressive entity before ever trying to talk to the people who were the victims. Do you know what I'm saying? So like, that's why I'm like, why would you automatically jump there? I can absolutely see if a person is like, oh, no, there's something like what feels like evil here. Like that I can see like because you're like, okay, 
who was evil. Well, I'm going to probably say the person who did the evil thing. Yeah. That's a reasonable jump to me. I thought it was wild that, you know, it said reverend. Not that. Oh, that's such a specific word. Uh, Yeah, that is a very specific word. And the only other time I've ever seen one repeat a name is I was at, I want to say it was the old Gila County Jail here in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And I walked by a cell and it said a name. And I walked around for a little bit and then I walked by that same cell and I was like, who was in this cell? And it said the same name. And I was like, okay, I assume this person was in this cell. Mm -hmm. But that's the only time with my experience ever seeing it repeat a name. So that was just wild to me. Oh, yeah. But what do you think? Do you think that the if it was the reverend and I don't know if they have books, I don't know why he says that it's this person, but do you think that he stayed there? And do you think that there's like, I don't know, a spiritual link between the two buildings? It could be. I would be so interested in whether a person like felt a similar energy. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that would be like, I don't know if I would believe like somebody else's word for it. Like, I feel like it would be like a thing you need to like experience yourself, you know? Yeah. So would you go there? I think so. It seems interesting. And also like Melvin Manor. What a name. It's in the infamous Melvern, Iowa. How could I not want to go there? No, but I mean, it does sound like an interesting place. I'm, again, intrigued by the idea that its scariness predates known horrors because Mm -hmm. what happened then? Right. And do you think that maybe it's because of Malvern Manor that the murders were committed in Villisca? Do you think like that is connected that much? That's rough. It's weird that he said he followed the shadow, right? It's weird that he said he followed the shadow, but also like perhaps he was not a good person to begin with. Or honestly, perhaps he is the shadow. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, maybe that's where his ghost is. Maybe. Because like it could be that his madness took over. And I say madness because like, I don't know what makes a person kill. What makes a person do that? I can't fathom. But something is wrong with you fundamentally if you can do that. Mm -hmm. So like maybe that's where it sunk in. Right? Maybe. And like that would also, because I mean, like, okay, is it that, is it A, B, or C, right? C is none of the above, but is it A, that the shadows motivated him, or that B, he is the shadow, right? Like, maybe it is the murderer that is there. Like, that's that presence that's there. And so, number one, you mean? No, number two. Oh, no, I meant number one, the spirit, or the the thing that they're like, it could be a spirit, it could be an entity. Yes, like that darkness, that evil, that like the shadows they're seeing, like, perhaps... I'm getting chills, by the way, as I'm saying this. Yeah. That's the reverend, right? That's where he is. Because, like, I don't know. That would make sense. Because, again, like, to me, in my head, I'm like, why would a person who, like, did bad things, why would their energy live in the place where they did the bad thing? Why wouldn't it be someplace else? And, like, if he liked the hotel, maybe that's where he went back to. If it was the place he went before he did the thing, it could be, like, the last place that he was human, right? Like, in the truest sense of, like, there's this idea, right, that, like, humane treatment of other people right and like inhumane treatment obviously like murder like if this was his first murder and it was him the last place he was innocent would have been there for any substantial period of time right yeah in my bones that's what i think i think it's him it could be yeah and again that was an unsolved murder right because Mm -hmm. they they never actually convicted anyone of killing the family and the two little girls but i thought the connection between these two places that just drove me crazy interesting and i actually stumbled upon it 
because I was looking at just haunted places that we haven't covered, people saying that it's a hot spot drew me in. And then I saw this is close to Villisca. And then when I started looking at it more, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it might be connected to a Villisca. And then I was like, this is an episode. It has to be. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So as always, we want to know what you think. You can also book a visit to Melvin Manor yourself. So one of the things that we generally like as we're doing research is to be able to like really look through and see what other people have experienced. And this place has like a spooky log of encounters that people have had and it has their pictures and what people have experienced and it's on the blog. And so it really does seem like a place that is haunted. Like there's places where I'm like, I don't know, but like there's enough people who are reporting where it's not just like a person reported that they felt XYZ. It's like that person typed their experience. I don't know. It just feels more powerful. Yeah, I'm surprised we hadn't seen this name yes. come up before. Yes. Well, I mean, especially because it's in the infamous <laughs> Melvern, Iowa. You're the worst. <laughs> also, I want to know, have you ever heard of Melvern, Iowa, if you're not from <laughs> Iowa? Everyone, uh, please say yes for my behalf, like, to help me out. Don't lie. <laughs> so, oh, Moo's wagging her tail because she's so excited that we only have a few more episodes until our December break. Then she has you to herself. She has me all to herself. <laughs> she goes, less desk time, more Moo time. Yeah. So we love you. Oh, she's shaking her head now. We do love you, even though she's saying no. We do. We love you so much. I'm acting like it's the end of the year, but it's not yet. This year, we've had like a significant spike in listeners, especially in October, which again, spooky season, the Super Bowl, as Amanda calls it. But (laughs) we put so much like I was going to say work, but like love into True Creeps because we truly do enjoy doing it. It's a lot of work. Yeah, we get to hang out. We're talking double digits work every week, but it's also like a way that we get to hang out with each other and also you. Yeah. If you do love the show and you want to support, you can check out our Patreon, leave a review, or just share us with a spooky friend, right? Like you can also engage with our content and social media. We'll miss you in December, but we'll be back in January with fun episodes. We're excited. If you are thinking like, oh my gosh, I really want to hear an episode on insert whatever you're thinking, share it with us because we love listener submitted story episodes especially if like you have a weird connection to a place one of the episodes that we're going to be doing early in january when it's still cold out you like that you like my you like my yeah like my little teaser there amanda of what that (laughs) might be is something that is partially inspired by a listener story so that kind of stuff i don't know that that gets me like extra excited i don't know about you amanda yeah but i yeah i love it yeah so with that have a great weekend Thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. And as always, a special thank you to our patrons who support us via Patreon. Please see the link in our show notes to learn more about how you, yes, you, can begin to haunt the dump, guard vortexes, or even become a scorching Sasquatch. Also in our show notes, you can find the link to our website, more information on our sources, our social media handles, and our merch store. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps and or ghosts. I beg of you. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. I'm trying to move my body and I'm having problems, clearly. I just realized that maybe if I have my desk really high up, I can't hit my mic stand. Cutting edge. (laughs) I don't know how you do it each time. Boy, do I. I think this is a good idea. This way I can't fucking touch anything. I can't even type. Great. I don't even know what that sound Moo just made was. It was like a gremlin noise. I'm going to take it as her agreeing with me. That's a dumb name for a hotel. (laughs) Sure. Sure. The Cottage Hotel, despite having perhaps 
the basilosaurus of names of a hotel. Take it back. Had the largest and longest lasting span of life. I don't know. Why am I talking weird? Great for the end credits. You're welcome. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God. I'm sorry. Mu just farted and it like hit me. A rich end scene. She's grumbling. Can you hear her? Mm-mm. They can. <laughs> You're such assholes. I'm sure Falvern was completely fine. No, it's I mean, <laughs> it's just because you were acting like everyone knows Malvern, Iowa is a place. And I'm like, I don't think the average person knows about Malvern, Iowa. I don't think they're thinking about Iowa that much. They might be, okay? They are now. We're putting Mal- <laughs> we're putting Malvern on the map, baby. No, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> uh, it was like a big railroad town, though, okay? People back then loved it. Yes, because so many people are known to just know all the railroad towns. People in the Midwest like stuff like that, okay? Just because you and I don't care about the railroad doesn't mean other people don't. Amanda, if that was the case, then it wouldn't have declined because the railroad stopped being the most popular firm for firm form of transportation. I don't know. Historians love it. Okay, this is for the historians. <laughs> this is for you, historians. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh man. <laughs> On the episode of Destination Destination, positively. Yeah, it was something. That's my Jersey Devil accent. Absolutely. That fucking Denny's was elite. Like, that was the best Denny's I've ever been to. And these spirits are like, I have been hearing about this Denny's all fucking night. <laughs> what the fuck is Moons Over My Hammy? I need one. Right? 